Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. Uh, Wednesday night, January 13th, we just completed NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Now we're going to roll into the divisional round. Yes, absolutely. Do you, do you think they like the Super Wild Card and want to roll it back next next year? I think so. I think it was very successful. I love, I mean, I didn't see the ratings for it, but I love having three games Saturday, three games Sunday, and then the national title game Monday night. It was like yeah. the greatest weekend of football. Yeah. So, I'm and, a big fan. I mean, you had games where the, I mean, really the 2-7 game that we saw, in the AFC, it was good, really competitive. Yeah, really competitive. I mean, that tells me the seven seeds are not that far off. And you know, really, the, in that Saints game, if what was it? Uh, what's that kid's name? Javon Wims. If he doesn't drop that ball early in the game, in the end zone, I feel like the the whole feel of that whole game would have been different. And. They only lost that, by twelve. Yeah, and they, they could have. Yeah, I mean, one was it was a garbage touchdown at the end of the game, yeah. and whatever. But I, I don't think that the competition differential is so large from, right. you know, seven, six, and seven that you can't have that seventh team in. And I like the incentive of being the best team in the AFC and NFC to get the one buy that's available. Yeah, I think that uh, the teams at six and seven a lot of times are super hot yeah. coming to playoff time. You know, the, like the competition in the AFC for those five, six, and seven seeds was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it. Um, it never hurts the NFL to have an extra playoff game on both days, extra right. revenue. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think that there's no question that's something that they should continue moving forward. Uh, I hope it's something that they do. I mean, I don't know kind of what the, the thought process is, you know, in the NFL offices yeah. right now. But they can look at that weekend now and make a determination as to whether or not they felt it was a success. And to me, it was a resounding success. Yeah, a blast, Yeah, honestly. So, Tom, talk to us a little bit about what we're going to get into tonight on the podcast. We're going to do a little wild card recap and talk a little bit about the national title game. Our hammered sports take of the week is college football is four playoff teams enough. Talk a little bit about that. Then we're going to get into some of the playoff matchups for this weekend, divisional round. A little UFC Fight Not preview. And then we'll pick our, we're going to pick all the divisional games. So, yeah. It's going to be fun. All right. So, kick us off, Tom. Uh, I'm going to let you take the lead on the uh, first playoff game that we saw last weekend. All right. Bills Colts. Bills survived 27 24. Uh, And a very fun uh, game, especially in the second half. Um, went back and forth a little bit. Uh, really strange in that it seemed like there was a lot of momentum shifts, but there was no like, turnovers, uh, not a lot of big plays, a lot of grinding drives, but it seemed like there was a lot of momentum shifts even without those. So, yeah, very interesting there. Yeah, and, it, you know, in the outcome, Buffalo hangs on to win 27-24. Uh, statistically, the Colts performed a little bit better than Buffalo did overall. Um, they gained 472 yards. Buffalo had 397. Um, you know, 75-yard difference there. That's usually worth, like, 
anywhere from like five to six points in a game. So typically they'll say if there are no turnovers in the game, that a team that outgains the opposing team by 80 yards, it's about a touchdown somewhere in there. Yeah. So, you know, in this situation, what it really came down to is the same thing that came down last, last year in the red zone. Yeah. It, it, red zone performance. I mean, two out of five for the Colts. Two out of five. They, they, they scored on two out of five possessions in the red zone. Scored touchdowns. They touchdowns, right. Kicked a field goal, missed mm-hmm. a field goal, and then went for it on that fourth yeah. and goal and didn't get it. It's about punching it in in the red zone. And if, if you can do that, particularly in the wild card round, but I think it lasts throughout the, the course of the playoffs. Yeah. But that is a very common theme that you'll come across in football games. Who has the better red zone performance? And that's something that Buffalo's been great at all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Colts, you know, they had opportunities. You That pass into the back corner of the end zone, I mean, he missed it marginally. Yeah. And if he catches that, then you've got, you know, the fumble by Josh Allen that could have gone the Colts way. There were a lot of what-ifs. Sure. They could have changed the outcome of that game. But the bottom line is, when you get to the playoffs, it's survive in advance, and that's what Buffalo did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a lot of fun. I got to watch that in person. It was a great time for me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the next one was Seattle uh, losing to Los Angeles. The Rams put up 30 points. Seattle could only muster up 20. Uh, you know, division rivals, they're, they're used to playing each other. Rams got off to a bit of a, a good start, got off to a bit of a lead, and kind of held on and closed it in the fourth. Yeah, this was a the score doesn't really indicate uh, how the game was played. There were a lot of points in this game for a game that uh, only had about 600 combined yards between the two teams. Yeah, uh, the Rams did outgain the Seahawks. Uh, of course, they had the big pick six. Uh, Goff had to come in after Wolford goes out with the head injury, neck injury, whatever it may have been. Um, that injury ended up, you know, he's probably finished, I would think, for the, the remainder of the yeah. season. Uh, Seattle surprisingly ran the ball pretty well um, at 5.4 yards per attempt, 136 yards rushing. Uh, the Rams rushed for 164 yards, 43 attempts. You know, they, they just stayed true to the plan. I think that obviously they didn't want to chuck it around much with Goff and his, his thumb issue. So the biggest thing for me was, Seattle only passed for 142, had 142 passing yards in the game. Yeah. That's just impressive defense by the Rams to be able to pull that off. Uh, Great game plan. They said that they were upset with watching Seattle dance and celebrate two weeks ago when they won the division over the Rams. So they kind of took it personal and uh, were really focused. You know, that Seahawks team had warts all season. Uh, They were only winning games very, a lot of very close games. That seems to be their season. MO every year, though. They, they never really blow anyone out. Well, if they ever learn to protect Russell Wilson, it'll be yeah. a miracle. I was just going to say, six sacks, Russell Wilson got taken down that many times. It's Protect your guy. Every year. Yeah. Every freaking year, that it's yeah. the same issue with him. So, good game. Rams advance. Um, hopefully, Goff can you know grip the football and <laughs> be effective this week. So, yeah. we have another good game. Uh, then the next one, the, the nightcap was Tampa Bay going into Washington. Tampa Bay winning 31-23. to You know, it's another one where the score, this game seemed kind of out of it from the beginning. Yeah, Tampa outgained by almost 130 yards in the game. Yeah. There was, I'm not really sure, I mean, the bottom line is Tampa scored one touchdown in five drives into the red zone. 
they they just outclassed Washington by so much that they were able to still pull it out. But this game should have been a much wider margin than it ended up being. And that's something that could cost Tampa Bay if they don't get some of those red zone issues. I mean, their next game we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. You're going to need some points. Yeah. It's it's an issue for teams. They've got to fix those issues. So each team turned the ball over once, but it was those red zone issues that kept Washington even in the in game. It, yep. So, you know, that's the big takeaway for me from that game. And then the Sunday slate, which was just as much fun, it started off with a very competitive, hard-hitting, can't-wait-to-see-them-play-again-next-year kind of football game. Baltimore going into Tennessee, winning 20-13. to And over the last two years, these two have developed quite a rivalry, and uh, they don't like each other. Yeah, and another game where the stats don't tell the story, really. Baltimore seemed in control uh, for a lot of that football game after yeah. falling behind. Um, they, they come back and 401 yard total yards. Tennessee was held to 209 total yards of offense. The rushing yards, I think, is the biggest thing. But you think of Tennessee and Derrick Henry. Tennessee had 51 yards rushing, Baltimore 236. Yeah. Whoa. They just... And like you said... Tennessee got off to the fast start, score a touchdown, they get the they get a field goal right back, and they're up ten nothing. But after that, uh, Baltimore just kept grinding, kept taking it to them. Incomplete control. Yeah. They were seven of thirteen on third downs in the game, uh, you know, which indicates they they gave themselves third and manageable situations. Uh, this was just a. I was really surprised with how thoroughly Baltimore beat down Tennessee on the field even though the yeah. score didn't say it yeah. that, that it looked like a beat down to me and they both you know they both struggled a little bit each one turnover Baltimore one and three in the red zone Tennessee one and two and these are two teams who are historically very good in the red zone so. yeah I mean Lamar Jackson ran the ball for 136 yards so yeah. he, when you're when your quarterback can do that it's uh, he, he put the game on his shoulders there he was he was tired of hearing about not being able to win in the playoffs It'll be interesting to see um, these guys when they play again next year. I get, I do believe they have to as, um, oh, no, they no, have to Pittsburgh yeah. won the division. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they'll. Yeah, they might not have to. Um, when they do meet again, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of bad blood before the game, during the game, and then after the game there was even some more. So Yeah. Coaches don't seem to like each other much either. So. Yeah, they're not big fans of one another. No. Both pretty highly competitive guys. So Yeah. All right. Then we got uh, New Orleans 21, Chicago 9. This game was just kind of tough to watch at times, honestly. Yeah. It was. Well, it felt like New Orleans would just keep picking up first downs and keep the ball in their hands. And Chicago, when they got the ball in their hands, they were 1 for 10 on third downs. Yeah. Ugly. The Saints were 11 of 17. They kept converting third downs. Two key st- categories that I like to look at third down conversion rate and red zone conversion rate. Those two things I think mean a lot come playoff time. Yeah. And the Saints were 3 out of 4 in their red zone solid opportunities. The Bears were 1 for 2. Um, but that third down conversion rate 10% for the Bears and then 11 of 17 for the Saints. So those are those are huge things. 75 plays by the Saints. Yeah. The Bears defense couldn't get off the field. I know they had some some issues with injuries and COVID and all sure. that stuff. So that not exactly their top unit. Uh, surprisingly, uh, we find out today that they are going to keep 
their general manager and head coach again this year. They are not going to make a change. They, in fact, uh, it was a, a full vote of confidence given, saying yeah. that they were impressed with the performance by the by the coaching staff this year. So, yeah. um, I guess if eight and eight impresses you, then so be it. Yeah, mediocre. And then the late game Sunday night, which was just crazy from the well the first snap. Um, Cleveland 48 upsetting Pittsburgh 37. Kevin, I'll let you start this. This was your uh, money line pick. Yeah, I uh, was lucky enough to come out on top. Plus 220 plus we 220. got on this one. Um, I think, honestly, if you would have got it the day of the game, I think it was even It may have uh, gone better. I think it was better, yeah. You know, the, the big thing is, to me, Cleveland, they've been downtrodden so long. Uh, in this game, they get out, and the turnovers are the story of the football game. Yeah. When you look at the total yards, <laughs> Pittsburgh gained 553 yards in the game. Cleveland had 390 yards. But Cleveland was efficient offensively. Uh, three out of five in their red zone attempts. But, that you know, early in the game, they were they were finishing. And that yeah. was huge. So they get out 28 nothing before you, before you know what happened. And, you know, five turnovers... Four interceptions, one fumble lost. You got, you know, Pittsburgh looked like a team that's had enough. They had a, a really rough stretch their last five games of the year, and they looked like a team that was finished. So I was excited for the Browns. I'm happy for Browns fans to get yeah. that win in this spot. I don't think they're going to go any further in the playoffs, but, you know, we'll yeah, get I to think, that in yeah. a minute. I think as Bills and Browns fans, we have some similar last 15 20 years together so i i feel their excitement i was saying like someone was like oh it's not as good as our one i was like no i think the win for cleveland's got to feel better because they went in and beat brady in new england like that's that's the equivalent for them yeah. going to beat big ben and in, in, in pittsburgh we didn't get to do that cleveland got to go beat their their nemesis in the exactly. division in in his own house yeah um i did write down this to uh wild card teams four road teams were four and two and five and one against the spread, so yeah, you know it's a something to kind of keep an eye on as the playoffs roll on. I think we have some, you know, uh, a couple small spreads and then a couple that are decent size still this week. So inherently, people think you know playoffs, the home team's the better team. They tend to to see more of the action. I think that maybe they were given a little too much of a home field advantage uh, from the Vegas, you know, yeah. odds makers. So. We'll see if that trend continues. I'm not sure that it will the deeper that you get into the playoffs. No, I think the, the variants become a little less as some of these teams get closer. Yeah. You know, it's like Bobby Cox used to always say, I don't want to see all of their splits. Give me their splits for the last 10 games. I don't care yeah. about the rest of the season. Right. they've been doing the last 10 games. Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, and really, it's about who are they now, not yes. who have they been. Right. So it's, uh, you know, really, really fun wildcard weekend, don't you think, Tom? Yeah, the divisional matchups, which I can't wait to talk about, just they seem like the it's going to be even better. Like, I can't wait. Yeah. But. Onward. National championship. Alabama, Ohio State. You know, what, what more could you ask for than these, these two teams playing it out? Yeah. Alabama comes away with an impressive 52-24 to 24 victory. Just and literally just just kind of slowly pulled away here, you know. Um, they traded touchdowns in the beginning of the game, and uh, then those I think the two touchdowns from Alabama right before half 
That was kind of it. Yeah. It kind of took the, the wind out of the sails. It did. It, it put Ohio State, you know, way behind the eight ball. Uh, but the, defensively, Ohio State didn't have any answers for Alabama. How many teams did this year, honestly? No. No. And it was a really impressive offensive performance by the, the Crimson Tide. Uh, nearly 300 yards. Uh, they outgained Ohio State by in this game. Uh, you know, Justin Fields, 17 to 33 for 194. You knew that Saban was going to have a game plan and be prepared for the style of that. What you couldn't be prepared for was the fact that they lost their stud tailback in Trey Sermon on the first play of the game. One carry for two yards. He goes down his shoulders, shot, he's out. And then, you know, they go to Teague, who's a a nice player, but he's just not explosive like Sermon is. And then you start giving up touchdowns to Alabama, and you're not answering score for score, and your running game you know, becomes obsolete. So it everything's set up for Alabama really well. I hate I hate that one. You know, it happened what was it ten, twelve years ago when the Texas quarterback goes down in the first oh, it against, was against uh USC. Yeah, yeah. Was it Colt McCoy went down? So. Yeah, I mean he was one of the all time leading passers at Texas. They were in the they were inside the five, right? And he went and he for a quarterback hurt. sneak, I yeah. think. And he hurt his shoulder on a quarterback sneak and he was done. And yeah. you know God, it was just... The whole game sucked after that. It did. And <laughs> that's that's how I felt about the loss of Trey Sermon here. I saw some similarities there. And, you know, the air comes out a little bit. Trey Sermon had been dominant for three weeks in a row now. I mean, rushing for 300, 200, 190. And when you take that out of the equation, Teague's a nice running back. He's not explosive like Sermon is. Yeah. And it really just it changed the... You know, I hate to talk about momentum, but, you know, it takes something out of you. It takes a little air out of you. And they answered early at first, but eventually you just you can't keep up with the explosive players on that team. With five and a half minutes left, um, Ohio State settles for a field goal. Yeah, uh, they cut the lead to twenty-one to seventeen. They're down four, but in those last five and a half minutes, Alabama throws up two touchdowns. Ohio State doesn't put up any points. All of a sudden, you're at halftime. You're down thirty-five seventeen. Yeah, and you know what happens? Alabama goes on a nice long seven-minute drive to start the second half. Puts up another field goal. Now you're down three touchdowns. Yeah. You haven't even touched the ball in the second half. Yeah. Uh, that was the killer. Um, and now the defense can tee off. The D-line can tee off on the passing game. Yeah. Uh, the secondary is going to be prepared for everything. You know, the play-action game really becomes a non-issue because you don't care if they pick up five or six yards at a right. clip on the running game. So, there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, they outscored them 28-10 to 10 in the second quarter, and that, that was the difference in this ball game. Yeah, crazy. It'll be fun, you know, moving forward to see kind of what happens. There are a lot of Alabama players leaving, but they always just reload. You know, they... Obnoxiously. Yeah, it's frustrating, but... All right. So that brings us to our hammer take. Um, Is four playoff teams enough for college football? Is it enough? Do we need more? And if more, how many more? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you a fun idea that I saw that I thought would be really good. Listen, you, you have the Power Five. You have the Group of Five. Mm-hmm. Twelve teams, two at-large bids, ten conference winners. Put them in a playoff. The top four teams, you concede them, right? Mm-hmm. The top four teams in the country, just as you do now, you determine who the top four are and they get a bye. You play the first round on campus. So you get these teams that get to host games in the first round of the college football playoff. You've extended it to a three-week thing. 
easily accomplished. Yeah. I, I think that maybe it doesn't alter the national champion ultimately. But had you done that this year, you would have some, had some really fun things. Oklahoma would have had an opportunity. Um, you know, you'd have got you would have had the opportunity to see some of these teams like you know Cincinnati. Um, you know, it, it just it it doesn't have to be about we only need teams in here that can win the championship. You're not devaluing the rest of the season. You're not yeah. because you have conference champions. You you have to win a conference championship for ten of those spots. Yeah. Right. There are only two wild card spots that are allowed in, so it does not devalue the the every game counts kind of thing that they talk about. It. I mean, very very little change to that. You have to be a conference champion to get in the top four, pretty much, anyways, unless it's you know a one-off situation. Just give us twelve. Give us a fun little playoff setup. Yeah. You know, four teams get a bye. Eight eight teams play in the first round. Four games on college campuses that first week, and watch those kids how excited they would be uh, cheering on their team. I mean, I think that atmosphere in and of itself is worth the experience. Yeah, it could be. That's. I mean, that is a fun idea. I, I struggle with some of this because of the, it, the. You know what the biggest problem with this is the the current bowl setup, with all these bowl games, they want to host playoff games. If they're not hosting a playoff game, their game's not important. It's less important now. Um, I think that becomes a huge hurdle in this, but they could do with some with calling a few of these bowl games. There's too many. There's too many bowl There's games. Too many. Yeah, you got teams. I mean, obviously this year is different, but in most years you have teams where six and seven playing in some of these bowl games early on. That who cares? And you've got these assignments; they have to come from this conference or that yeah. conference. We've got these agreements with them. It's all money. It's all money, and you know, quite frankly, it's not the best for the uh, the fan base. And and if you want the fan base to grow, then let's let's do this the right way. It's you know, let's they do it at every other level. Of yeah, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, there's no reason not to have it. Even the non-bowl subdivision, they have a playoff. Right. Uh, one thing that Mac Brown had said, which has kind of spurred me to bring this up as one of the topics, is he said that he feels like in these top bowl games, you have a lot of kids opting out still. A lot of these big-name players saying, I don't want to get hurt, I want to go to the NFL. And he said that not one player has opted out of a playoff game in the last 10 years. Right. So if they were to have more playoffs, maybe more kids would play. It's something to think about. I mean, I, you still get to that line where someone's not in the playoff and they may make that decision. But I get his point where there's more to play for in that, and it, it's more of a, I don't want my team down, we're trying to win a title. No doubt. And, you know, all it, it really is going to create so many of the best players playing in postseason college football. And I think that should be the goal right now. And I think it's going to create the best experience for the fans. I think it makes it so that you can have that Cinderella story potentially. Maybe you get a team that is really, really good and got off to a god-awful start and lost two games early in the season and gets in as that second wild card, yeah. a la Oklahoma or winning that conference, coming on to winning that, winning that conference. Right. That team was so good at the end Red of the year. And they would have been a challenge for anyone. And, you know, I dare say they would have given Clemson um, a run for their money, and certainly would have given Notre Dame a run for yep. their money. And might they they could have even had at least kept up scoring wise with Alabama. They could score. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that defense, but well, they, that defense is what made them so much better later in the season. They had improved so much, but you know, again, yeah, exactly. 
but you know, against Big Twelve, that, those teams score a ton of points. So yeah. again, that's a it's a really fun conversation to have, and I'm I am a big proponent of going ahead and expanding this out a little bit. Yeah, and you can find ways to make that other stuff work. You can you can yeah. make it work. The the bowl game thing, you know, I get you don't want to give up these bowl games. These people have a lot of money invested in this and a lot of advertisers, but. Listen, you were going to take two and eight teams and and three and five teams to bowl games this year. Do that if you want to to fill your bowl game. You know, yeah. if you're if you're re- if you really want to host a bowl game still, yeah. then you fill it with other teams and. You I mean, they rotate that. the playoff games now with bowls. They could just make them all right. every year. Yeah. Just hey, you guys are the first round but, of bowl games. See, the, the, the I wouldn't want to do it with the first round of the playoffs yeah. though. With the second round, I'm cool with it. I think that first round of playoffs because I love the on campus idea. Yeah. That's this is this is my brainstorm, this is my pitch, but yeah. I love that on campus game the for the first round. But then you get the advantage if you're the if you're the 5 seed playing the 12 and you get to host that team, I, I think it'd be so much fun. I mean, listen, I, I, let's what were the final let's take a look at the final college football poll for this year. It, I mean, I guess I guess we would need to look at conference champions, but um, give us one second while we take a quick look here. Um, I, I mean, I just feel like... Let's see here. Well, yeah, I can go down the conference championships. Yeah. Uh, so you had UAB from Conference USA. Yeah. Ball State from the MAC. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio State. Oklahoma. Uh, um, the Louisiana Coastal Carolina game got postponed. Yeah. Um, Clemson, San Jose State, Cincinnati, who would have been fun to see how they fit, and Alabama. Yeah, I mean, Coastal would be fun, too. I mean, but so now, you know, Notre Dame gets in as one of the wild cards because of their their one loss on the season to Clemson, right? Um, And then you're going to have one other wild card. You're probably going to say Coastal was going to win that conference just because yeah. they were undefeated on the season. And how much fun would it be for Coastal to be in a playoff as well as that team played all year and play a team like the the fifth best conference champion? Who was the fifth best uh, Power Five conference? Oregon. Uh, out of the Power Five schools? Yeah, they're the worst. They're right? Bad. Yeah. No, Oklahoma. Oklahoma would have been the five because they didn't get in the four. So they wouldn't have gotten the four seed. Right? So it would have been Oklahoma, yeah. Coastal. It'd be really fun to watch. Just let's see it. Let's see what these guys got. Then you get, uh, let's say, uh, oh no, Ball State probably would have been twelve. So we'd get Oklahoma, Ball State, and then Oregon, Coastal. Now I can see that as being an entertaining football game, right? Yeah. And then Cincinnati, and one of the other, uh, um, probably Ball State or well, UAB. 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 Yeah. And then Notre Dame versus uh, San Jose State. Yeah, you get a yeah, uh, but I mean, a lot of those years you'll have Boise State. So I mean, I just think that that first round could be really fun on college campuses. Yeah, maybe you maybe you eliminate the conference champion thing, and no, I see. I don't think that because the the thing about conference championships is so good is that in college football there's so many teams. Only having one champion makes it so 
most teams are never going to win a championship. Yeah. At least they have that conference championship as that other carrot to play for. That is the, the Cinderella story from out of nowhere kind of opportunity is to have a team like Coastal make the make that 12-team playoff. Is it a real opportunity, though? Well, I mean, what if you win two games? What if you jump in and you win two games? Sure. That is a dream run. Back in the day, everybody was head over heels for Gonzaga Alabama when they were making Coastal those runs. Carolina. On a neutral field this year. What's yeah, the spread? They're uh, 26, 27. <laughs> yeah. You know, somewhere in there. Rough. Yeah. Not great team. But it's not going to be the championship game. No. But again, you've got. I'm not talking about the team that plays Alabama. I'm talking about the game, the two games prior to that, where you've got four teams getting a bye, right? And you're going to get four winners. So let's say Coastal gets through, and now they get a chance at Notre Dame or Clemson, right? So you get Coastal and Clemson playing. You got two teams. Like you got two teams <laughs> from South Carolina. Coastal is having a dream season. Trevor Lawrence rolls his ankle in the first quarter. No, stop. And then the other kid and, who throws for four hundred yards. And now, <laughs> and now all of a sudden, Coastal had advanced all the way to the top four, and everybody's going, "Oh my God, Coastal! It's it's Chanticleer Nation!" You know, and those are the kind of things that can happen. It's what happens in the NCAA tournament. I think the NCAA tournament's a lot different. Basketball's a lot different than football. Generally speaking, it is. I think, I think the, the results in, in college football are a lot more predetermined based on talent. Yeah, I mean, the, especially the very top tier. Compared to the middle the, tier. The, the very top tier. The top tier. tier to the middle tier is a huge But who, who are we Who are we harming with this? Making the top tier teams play more games? Probably some of those kids from Coastal Carolina who will never be able to walk the same. They're going to want, they want those opportunities though, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a dream opportunity for them. On a major stage, mm-hmm. in a prime time situation, those guys want that chance. I'm not saying they don't. Could there be some bad games? Yeah, there's going to be bad games. Yeah. But was... 52-24, really no, fucking no. good yeah. theater? No. No, it wasn't. So what's the difference? Let's yeah. add more games, more fun. Uh, on that note, we're going to step away for a moment, <laughs> and uh, we'll come back, and what are we going to get into if we get back to uh, NFL playoff matchup, some UFC, and then our picks of the divisional round. We'll be right back. And we're back, and it's time to talk about... Some divisional matchups. Yeah, we're going to get into some point spreads and all that kind of fun stuff. Our picks will will come a little bit after, after we do some UFC previews, but let's break down some of these, what do we see, and we'll go over some of that. Um, We'll start it off Saturday afternoon, a little bit of a later start, 4.30. The Rams travel up to Green Bay to play the Packers, coming off the bye. What is the... What is the weather like in Green Bay this weekend here? Well, it's mid-January in <laughs> Wisconsin, so my guess is it's under 30 degrees. Let's see here. Saturday, 34. This is the high. They're getting snow Thursday and Friday, but it doesn't look like any snow on Saturday, so they'll be happy with that. Yeah, that's you know not so bad. I mean, I don't think it would hurt the Rams all that much anyway because of their style of play, but... yeah. Uh, I find this game much more intriguing than a lot of other people do, I think. Um, this is a Rams team that plays great defense. They get after the passer. My, understand is Aaron, my understanding is Aaron Donald is good to go. He, he's ready. Yep. So you're going to have him on the field. you got Brockers, Leonard Floyd, all those guys that bring the heat up front. 
and then the secondary. Listen, this is a tough matchup for Green Bay's offense. It is. It's a it, bottom line. This is a tough matchup for Green Bay's offense. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Green Bay, the team. Green Bay had a good season. They're thirteen and three. Let's talk about some of these games. I mean, you played the the terrible Lions twice. You played the mediocre Bears twice. You played the Vikings team that we all know about their ups and downs this year. Um, they also played. Yeah, here. The AFC South. So. And one. They lost to the Colts in overtime. They beat the Eagles. I mean, this is. Well, if they got beat up by the Buccaneers. Yeah. They beat the Falcons. Good job. What do the Buccaneers defensively remind you of? A little bit about, about the Rams. Yeah. There's a little similarity there. They get after the passer. They don't have to bring blitzes to do it. They can play coverage on the back end. Jalen Ramsey's going to follow Devontae Adams around. Whether yes. he can, You're not going to shut him down, but you can certainly slow him down. And then I love the other corners that they have on that team too. So Darius Williams with a huge play in the, in the game this week. This kid's a budding superstar. This is a tough matchup for Green Bay's offense. So... You know, there are a few yeah. ways that we, we can look at this and dissect it later when it comes down to uh, betting angles, and, and we will do that. Um, on to 8.15, Tom. Uh, your Buffalo Bills hosting their second game in the playoffs against the Baltimore Ravens due to some misfortune of the Cleveland Browns dominating <laughs> Pittsburgh because Buffalo would have had a cakewalk, I feel, to the AFC Championship game against that Pittsburgh team. It really, really was set up nicely for him before. And, and now you have to be a little concerned about the stopping the running game. You know, it, yeah. it's something that Buffalo's had some issues with all year. And can they overcome some of those issues? Their running game is going to be hampered a little bit. No Zach Moss. Um, you know, and he's he's been probably, I would say he's getting more of the carries of late, for yeah. sure, than Singletary. Green Bay, uh, yeah, Green Bay. Baltimore did a nice job defensively against Derrick Henry. Can they do it? I, Marcus Peters, I guess, has some injury issues. His back is bothering him. He didn't participate in practice uh, today. But otherwise, they're getting a little more healthy. If Peters is ready to go, then the defense is not easy to deal with either. Yeah. So it'll be a very fun matchup. I, I like what we're going to see on Saturday night. Yeah, it's interesting because last year they played each other and Baltimore ran it all over them. Um, in the regular season, and uh, that game was still ended up being fairly close. Uh, Baltimore scored in the like eight minutes left in the fourth to kind of put it away. Uh, you know, this is a different Bills team offensively, especially than last year. The Bills defense finished 17th against the run in the NFL, so like right in the middle of the little, a little bit below the middle. Which stat is that? Is that like uh, total yards or is it yards per game? Yards per game. Yep. Yeah, the, the only thing that I would say that's a little deceptive about that is Buffalo had a lot of big leads, so you didn't see necessarily uh, a ton of uh, teams committing to the run and sticking to it early on. So yeah. um, I think that that does have a little impact on that number. I think, uh, I'm not sure where they stood in yards per attempt uh, defensively, but you know that, that is a, a little bit more telling stat, I feel like. Um, and it seems like at times they got gashed with some big runs. So... Um, when you look at Baltimore's schedule uh, and go back through some of their wins, Baltimore is a classic bully. 
Uh, I've said this before. Yeah. They beat up the teams that they can beat up. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, including very comfortable wins over the Browns early, the Texans early, the Redskins, well, the Washington football team, my apologies, the Bengals a couple of times. You know, and then you play some of the tougher teams. I'm impressed that they were able to beat the Colts 24-10. to 10. That was That's a really good performance. Um, the loss of the Patriots is kind of a head-scratcher. It seems like they're going to play games that are tight. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're not going to run Buffalo out of the building. They're going to have to do a good job defensively. And if they can do that, I don't think they're going to, we're going to see a 47-42 game like we got with the Browns a few weeks back there in that, in that epic primetime game that we had. Um, but I, I do think that uh, the Ravens will get their share of points as well. I yeah. think that they'll close out their red zone drives a little better than, than Indianapolis did and make this game. I mean, it. I, I think this is a final possession kind of game. Yeah, I think this one is going to come down to quarterbacks. I think you have two teams who can move the ball, can score the ball. Both defenses are uh, have their strengths, have their issues as well. I don't think either defense is – I wouldn't put it. I know the, statistically the Ravens are – seventh in yards per game, but I don't know if I'd put them in the top ten defense kind of category. Um, yeah, and it's another stat that could be a little misleading because the Ravens run the ball so much. Yeah, and they keep playing a lot of it. Yeah. So, that has to be the game plan for the Ravens, right? It's yeah. got to be take all the time on the clock every time we have the ball. Yeah. Run the, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, keep the clock moving, keep Josh Allen off the field and hope you can make him make one big mistake. Yeah. And then it's you know, Lamar Jackson passing versus Josh Allen passing. How is it going to look? Um, I think when you look at both these, their last two games, right? Bills versus Colts, Ravens versus Titans. What happened? Both quarterbacks took over the games independently. Lamar running the ball, throwing it here and there, and Josh throwing the ball. They each took control of the game. And running it here and there. Yeah, Josh, like, Josh yeah. had the 50 yards running. So... Which one's going to be able to do that? And like you said, a lot of times these ones come down to the end, which, you know, we'll, we'll see if I survive. Here's a fun thing to think. Please don't. Is Lamar going to throw it better than Josh runs it or vice versa? <laughs> Though, yeah. Those are the two things that have been, like, key factors for either team. If Jackson passes the ball well, he has some weapons in Andrews and Hollywood Brown that he could get the ball to. Um, you know, he, they're going to be tough to beat. But if Josh Allen keeps breaking contain and taking off, picking up 10, 12-yard chunks and sliding, that's huge for the Bills. So, you know, it, do you try to hem in that area defensively? Focus on yeah. those things. Hey, they're going to do what they do. Can we stop the other thing that makes them unstoppable? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun here in Western New York. So Sunday. Sunday. Cleveland. Your, your, your reward for... Vanquishing the Steelers as you get to go to Kansas City and play a well rested, well rested oh. Kansas City Chiefs offense. Oh. Congrats. That's tough. <laughs> it is. I mean, they they're happy to be there. I guarantee you that. Um, Mahomes, Mayfield, Landry, um, Kelsey, Chubb, Edwards, Hilaire, Hill. There's a lot of guys that make this a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and. You give Andy Reid a couple weeks to prepare for any team, and he's really good. So yeah. this is a uh, this is a really really tough situation for Cleveland to go into. I saw something the other day that they're talking about what do you do with the bye week, right? Because you can't really prepare. You don't know who you're going to play yet, right? 
But the one thing that I've heard is that a lot of teams spend that one week self-scouting. Yeah. Because they got that full week, no mm-hmm. opponent, they just self-scout the crap out of it. What did then, we do really poorly that we can fix? Yeah. What are our tendencies? What can we what can we shake up to throw something different? And I think that makes a lot of sense. Not we, that I know that that's what they did. Right. The, the biggest concern for me in this game is Cleveland's defense. They, they don't get a lot of stops. They yeah. give up a lot of yards. They and, rely on Miles Garrett to make plays. Yeah. They, hold on. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, they, they ended up making a ton of plays in that last game. Yeah. You know, catching interceptions when they had the opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, in in this spot, Cleveland is going to have to play the, the game of the year. They're going to have to run the ball incredibly well and keep that Kansas City offense off the field. The, you've got to basically say, we're going to allow you to run the ball, much like Buffalo did earlier this year when they played Kansas City. We're going to try to outscore Yeah, you. we're going to have eight guys in coverage all the time. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but I don't have a lot of faith that Cleveland can pull off this upset. No. It's tough, too, after the big emotional game. Can you get back up for another game like that? Yeah. Then the nightcap, the two veterans, the lauded QBs, Tampa Bay at New Orleans, um, Brady, Breeze, I mean, was there any other doubt which one they were going to put as the, the primetime game on Sunday night? Right. 6.40 night, by the way, is a nice start time for us East Perfect. Coasters. Perfect on the East Coast. <laughs> You've got, you know, the, this series has been completely controlled by New Orleans this year. Yes. They, they really controlled both games, dominated both games, really. They were early enough that I feel like, you know, Brady and company have an opportunity to, to fix some things and you know, be competitive in this game. I'm not sure if they can fix them enough to, yeah. to be, but again, you, you, when you watch Drew Brees play now, a ton of pass attempts and he's throwing softballs all over the field. And if you can kind of rein in Alvin Kamara and, you know, there's an opportunity, there's a window here for Tampa to win this game. But, I mean, it's it, it was dominated by the Saints both times. I feel like Tampa Bay uh, has to keep it close, right? Can't let New Orleans get too far ahead of them and be too one-dimensional. In the second game, the most recent one, November 8th, Tampa Bay fell behind early and never could catch up. The rushing yards in that game, New Orleans 138 to Tampa Bay 8. Yeah. They just got ahead. They scored early. Uh, the Saints were up 31 nothing at halftime. They just... Ron Cruz controlled the whole game, and it, it was too easy for Tampa Bay or for New Orleans. Uh, Brady threw three picks. It, it just got ugly. Yeah, and I'm going to say that is not what we're going to see this time. Uh, we're going to see a much more competitive football game. Like the first one. The first one, 34-23. Uh, Saints salted away in the end with two two scores in the fourth quarter. Uh, You've been beat down twice by the Saints team this year. Yeah. The first one was the first game of the year. Yeah. This second one was, listen, they jumped on the us. quarterback had a bad game. They jumped on us. Our quarterback played poorly. Uh, the game's over. Yep. But when you look at these two teams, they're way closer than those two games have, have indicated. Especially now. Yeah. Especially now. I feel like when I look at Brady and Breeze, I feel like Brady's starting to feel his groove with Antonio Brown, obviously. Just yeah. Coming out of nowhere again, doing his thing. Yeah. And their weapons are... I mean, I would take the, the Buccaneers' weapons over the Saints' weapons right now. Yeah. Minus Kamara. 
Right. <laughs> Give me those wideouts for the Bucks. I haven't seen, actually. Is Evans going to be good this time? Sounds like it, yeah. Oh, man, that's scary. Yeah. It. I think this is going to be a great game. I think this is going to be, it's a perfect game to be the nightcap on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, these two teams, if Tampa performs well, it's going to make this a great game. Uh, there's more likelihood of Tampa getting run out of the building than New Orleans getting run out of the building, for sure. For sure, yeah. But I, I really feel like with that Tampa team, if this game is tight, I have a lot of confidence in Brady to make things happen at the end of the football game. So, in a close game, I like Tampa to win it. Um, if New Orleans can jump on them early, this is, this is going to be a live bet game for me um, when we get to that portion. So, um, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Let's talk some UFC. All right. All right. So, we decided to, to change a little bit on how we talk a little bit about some UFC matchups and and that. And we're going to go, we're each going to pick a prelim fight that we're excited about. We're each going to talk about it for a moment or two. And give our, our take on what's exciting about it. And then we're going to uh, each pick one card, one fight from the main card, and then we're going to go over the main event. Just to keep it a little fresh, a little different. Yeah. And I'll get us started. Uh, my prelim fight that I'm excited about is a couple of heavyweights. I mean, who doesn't get excited about heavyweights throwing down, right? Yeah. I have Carlos Felipe and Justin Taffa. A couple big boys going at it. Um, I think when I'm thinking prelims, there's two things I want to see. One, I want to see some, some up-and-coming prospect, maybe. Somebody that's like, all right, this guy might be on the come-up. This is going to be a guy at the end of the year or the beginning of next year we're talking about main eventing. Or I want to see some human beings smash each other in the face. And I think with this, you get a little bit of both. Both these guys, very large. 265 for Tafa, 245 for Felipe. And Felipe's 9-1. Uh, a heavyweight prospect coming out of Brazil that some people are, are pretty excited about. Um, he he wins by knockouts or decisions, and Tafa only wins by knockouts, so you're going to get to see some fights. The average fight time for Tafa is just over two minutes, and the average fight time for Felipe, he, he does have some decisions, so you know he's got like two and a half rounds in him. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. I think Felipe is making a big... Um, it's a big step for him to get into the UFC now. But hot yeah. prospect and heavyweight, it's always fun to see. No doubt. Do you have a pick on that fight, or are you just giving a little recap of it? Uh, if I had to pick, I would pick Felipe. I think he has more tools than Tafa. I think Tafa's yeah. a swing and hit. If he hits you, it's over. But I think that just goes without saying in the heavyweight division. Yeah. I think Felipe, he, it looks like he's a little more rounded. I saw some highlights of him wrestling, holding people down, able to uh, get to some... He got to a couple different... Um, Submission attempts, didn't get them to submit, but we're using the attempts to hold the guy in place while he did some damage. So yeah. I feel like he has more than one way he can win this. All right. Um, the prelim fight that I'm most excited about, uh, Phil Hawes against Nasruddin Imavov. So Phil Hawes is known as Megatron. <laughs> He's finished five fights in a row, all five fights in the first round. Uh, four of those by knockout, one rear naked choke after he got the guy in trouble and, and ended up choking yeah. him out. Um, prior to that, he had lost two in a row with a submission to Lewis Taylor and got knocked out by a head kick by Julian Marquez. Uh, but this is an explosive, incredible athlete. And yes. <laughs> he is he is something else to watch. So um, you're going to want to tune in for this one. This guy, he swings and people fall. 
his opponent, Amavov, he's 9-2. and two. Uh, He's on a six-fight win streak. He's never been knocked out. He's taken fights deep. He's won some decisions, and he has four submissions uh, out of his nine victories, as well as three TKOs. He's a well-rounded fighter that, if he can survive the first wave from Phil Hawes, is going to have an opportunity to, to win this fight. So, for me... This fight's going to be really fun because you have somebody who has tremendous submission skills and has never been knocked out fighting against a guy who could be susceptible to a submission who knocks people out. So you've got a contrast in styles here. If I had an opportunity to wager on this, which I do and I will, <laughs> I'd put some money on a mob off. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that you're at risk of a 45-second KO of the guy that you bet on. That's that's what happens when you bet against these guys that are monster knockout artists. Um, but you also have the opportunity, if this ends up on the ground, this this fight is not going Phil Hawes' way. All right, I'll start us off on the main card as well here. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Lee Jinglang. I practiced this. This was a thing. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see this fight. Ponzinibbio is somebody that I've been watching for a little bit now. He's been... One of these guys who has been moving up the ranks. Uh, a little time off, and now he's back. And uh, this is supposed to be a statement kind of fight for him. So it'll be interesting to see, does he make that statement? His last uh, his last couple of fights, he knocked out Neil Magny, who is historically very difficult to knock out. Um, beat Platinum Mike Perry. Uh, beat Gunnar Nelson. I mean, some solid wins for him. But he hasn't fought in the UFC since November of 2018. Some injuries, some COVID uh, things keeping him out, but now he's back. He's 28-3, and and he's fighting uh, somebody who's not, you know, not scared to go the distance with with anybody. Um, Just bring this up. Hold on one second. Uh, Jing Ling, they call him the leech because he just holds on to you, right? He gets a hold of you and he's not letting go. But a couple of his fights recently, his, his most recent fight was actually a loss to Neil Magny and went, went the distance. Um, before that, he was on a three-fight win streak. I think it's a, a good fight for Ponzinibbio to, coming back. And my, again, if I had to bet this, I would again bet Ponzinibbio. I think he's super talented. This is the kind of fight you give a guy when he's been off. It's a challenge, but it's not one that he should not be able to overcome. Yeah. Um... My fight uh, that I have here is Dusko Todorovic fighting against Punaheli Storytime Soriano. Uh, this is a clash of undefeateds in uh, the UFC 7-0 and uh, for Soriano, and he knocks dudes out, right? He is uh, 7-0, and four, four TKOs, two submissions. He's gone to the distance one time. Um, he knocked out Oscar Pichotta in the first round in his last fight in 2019. So there's a bit of a layoff here for Soriano. Uh, that is is somewhat of a concern for me. Um, Dusko, so Dusko is 10-0. and 0. Um, His last fight coming in October, another a TKO victory. He has six knockouts, three submissions, and one decision. These guys have finished, let's see, uh, 16 of their 18 professional fights together, and neither have ever lost a fight. That tells me we're in for a really good one here, guys. Yeah. 
and I don't know what the betting odds are on it. I wasn't looking at this fight as far as betting odds. I was looking at this fight as far as these are two young up-and-comers that are, you know, they're going to get after it. You know, you've got this Todorovic kid. He's 26 years old. Um, you know, Soriano, he is... Uh, He's 28 years old, so you got a couple of guys that are young, strong, fighting in this uh, in this 185 division. So you know there's plenty of pop in their punches. It's going to be a really, really fun fight. I can't wait to watch it. Um, you know, I, I would say that I feel like Soriano has fought a little bit tougher competition so far, and uh, is probably the more dangerous striker of the two. But it's going to be a great fight. All right, let's get to this main event. Should be a real fun fight. We have Max Holloway and Kelvin Qatar. Uh, definitely two guys that most of us are going to be familiar with. Um, you know, Max Holloway, 21-6. and six, Qatar, 22-4. and four. These guys have kind of been there, done that, especially for Holloway. Um, his last few fights are kind of the top of the weight class. Um, you know, losing, losing the title for Volkanovski. Volkanovski. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, before that, beating Edgar for it. So uh, should be a lot of fun. I think both these guys are are really pros. Pros, they know what they're doing in there. Should be a, a good good match to watch here. Yeah, and you know you've got a guy in Calvin Calvin Guitar who's never been knocked out. Um, he's lost one. He's been finished one time in his career by submission. Um, you know, and and he's fought a lot of good fighters. Uh, coming off wins over Danny Gay and Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Um, he has the loss to Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Um, he beat Ricardo Lamas. Uh, he beat Shane Burgos. He beat Andre Feely. Um, he lost to Hanato Carnero. You know, there, there are a lot of, you know, really good, really good names on his resume, but they don't match up with the names on Max Holloway's resume. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you go back and you look at some of the people that Max Holloway has faced, and it, it it's the it's a who's who of, of fighters really, Poirier, Edgar, Volkanovski, Volkanovski, Ortega, Aldo, Aldo, Pettis, Lamas, Stevens, like he's fought them all. Um, his fights have a tendency to go the distance. Yeah. Very rarely does he get finishes. Both these guys kind of go the distance quite frequently. Yeah. So you're probably going to see a fight that that takes it to the end here. Um, it's going to be about who has the cleaner striking in the fight. Holloway coming off the back-to-back -back losses. You know, the first one he definitely lost to Volkanovski. The second one was much closer. Um, he's still got plenty left in the tank. Yeah. And I think that he just outclasses Qatar, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think uh, for Qatar to win this, he has to dirty it up. I think yeah. He has to get inside. He's got to grapple. He's got to get maybe even get some takedowns. But yeah, I, I think it should be a lot of It's a fun fight to watch. Um, these are two guys who both have been at the top of this weight class and just kind of have missed each other. Yeah. So it'll be fun to see them finally throw it down. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's do some NFL divisional picks. Let's let's get the the betting up. Let's see what we got. We're gonna start with that first game. Yeah. Uh, we got the Rams Packers. I have the Packers minus seven and a forty-five and a half over under. Yeah. So. You know, two things I like in this game. Um, and I, I think that these things are correlated. I like the under and the Rams money line. So, for me, if you end up with a Rams money line win, you're going to also hit the under. Right. That That's just how I feel about it. So, 
don't be afraid to put those two together if you're going to bet on them. Uh, because I, I really feel like the Rams have an opportunity to win the game on the field and the score to stay low. I love this matchup of the Rams defense against the, the Packers defense. Um, the Rams are going to be my money line pick of the week. Um, I'm, I'm going to play the under as my standard pick here for this, but um, you can put them both down for me on the record, Tom. Under and, and Rams to win the game outright. Rams are plus 250 and then under 45.5? Yeah. All right. Uh, so I like the Rams. I don't know if I do the money line. I'm going to take the seven. I'll take the seven points. I, I think Green Bay may win this one in a closer closer than expected game, but I definitely think the Rams' defense is good enough to keep them there. My biggest concern is golf, and I'd like to see. I don't think he's going to have to do a lot. No, I, I, I think, think they're running the ball well. Yeah, yeah. they're running, running the ball well, and I think that the play-action game, you know, periodically hitting those deep crossers with, with well, not Cooper Cup now probably. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, but Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, they have plenty of other options there. Um, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby are both really good tight ends, so um, I, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't even cause me any pause. All right, so the next one, we got the Ravens at Buffalo. Buffalo is minus 2.5. The over-under is 15.5, and I'll get this done real quick. I like the under, under 15.5. I think these are two teams. I think we know, one, Baltimore is going to try to slow this game down, and I think we know that the weather is not going to be great. It uh, They're calling for snow, it's going to be cold, it's going to be nighttime, some crisp, cold air. Uh, I don't I don't see it going over 50. It does these two teams definitely have the ability to. Yeah. I just think game script, weather, all that factors. Um, I think it stays under 15 half. I think it's a close game. I think we're looking at like a 23, 24 points for both teams kind of slobber knocker at the end there. Yes. I mean, my play is a little bit contrary to that, um, but it's not completely contrary to that. I'm going to go to the team total. And I'm going to take the Ravens over 24 for the team total. Uh, I just like the way the formula of their offense right now and the way that it's been working. They've been scoring a ton of points, uh, save for last week against the Titans, who also run the ball a ton, yeah. uh, which slows games down uh, a ton. I mean, it, it really shortens the game when you have both teams running the ball uh, success, with success generally, but the Titans didn't have that last week. But, again, <laughs> 24 points, um, I, I think Baltimore can get there. I think they can get to 27, 28, 30 points in this game. I think Buffalo still could win the game, though. So that's why I don't like either side. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the 20, over 24 for Baltimore in this spot. Cleveland at Kansas City. Kansas City's minus 10. We have a 58-point over-under. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll go ahead here. Um, 58 seems like a monster number here in this spot, doesn't it? But I'm going to take the over anyways. <laughs> I was going to say, well, that's my play. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're both on the over 58. Go ahead and call that our, our consensus pick. Yeah. I think the two teams both have the strengths of offense. I think, and go game script-wise, what do I think could happen? I think Kansas City could get out to a big lead, and then Cleveland's playing catch-up. They're absolutely able to do that. They yeah. can score some points and punches. Or I think they're trading scores. I don't think Kansas City's defense is good enough to keep Cleveland shut out, and I, don't, I know Cleveland's defense isn't good enough to shut out Kansas City. Give me the over in that one. Hey, man, it's tried and true for me. Give me the, the highest total of the week over and the lowest total of the week under. So <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. And then the last one, we have the Saints of New Orleans, minus three favorites over Tampa Bay. 
with a 52 and a half over under and I, I'm I'm taking the Saints I just I, I think it's too much to overcome they have already shown twice that they can beat them Tampa Bay you can't count them out in the game because they're both playing really well right now the Saints were in cruise control last week don't feel like they're that uh, you know they're not that shook they're at home give me the give me the three I'm gonna take under 52 and a half um, the Saints offense was held to 21 points last week um, Tampa scored 31 but it was you know a weird situation in that Washington football team game I, I, I feel like both teams know each other well yeah. and familiarity not only breeds contempt but it breeds <laughs> the opportunity for teams to know each other's offenses and how to slow them down uh, they held the Buccaneers to three points in the last per, in the last game I think it was 38 yeah, to three to three yeah um, the first game, I think, had some points scored in it, but I feel like these two defenses are playing some of their best football this year, and I, I, I think under 52.5 is a good play here. All right. There you have it. Some divisional picks. I, I know this is – I always say – I know the wild card's fun because it's the first week in the playoffs, but I always say the divisional round is where you see your best games of football usually. Yeah. Um, you're going to have four games. I mean, uh, the spreads, you got two of them are three or less. One's one touchdown, and then the other one's ten. But, you know, I feel like you're going to see some close games this weekend. And uh, it should be a lot of fun to see who survives. Yeah. And it makes it to the conference championship game, which, of course, will be next week's show. Conference yeah. championship. And uh, we may have some more things up our sleeves for you. So make sure you tune in. Absolutely. It's been uh, uh, another fun week here on the podcast. Um, do you have any bonus picks, Tom, out there that you want to throw on the record? Um, nothing. I would just say make sure you're following Twitter. I know you had thrown one out on Facebook and Twitter the other day. Yeah. Um, we we're always trying to find uh, edges that we like and throw them out there for you guys to see. I'm going to give you one bonus pick right now real quick from the UFC. Let's hear it. Matt Brown's going to upset Carlos Condit. All right. That, that's going to be a fun match. It's almost a shame that we didn't go into that one because of how yeah. good it should be. So. Matt Brown plus 140. All right. I like a dog like that. So, all right. Get down on that one, boys. And uh, we'll catch up with y'all later. And uh, once again, hammer at hammered underscore sports on Twitter. Uh, we're throwing stuff out on Facebook, too. I try to share the tweets on, on Facebook if I can now as well. Um, but follow us in both places so that we can give you guys some game day winners. That's where we've had a big majority of our success. So, absolutely. Catch y'all next week. Have a good one.